in one way or another, but I want to really draw our attention to the 24th verse. And uh, God said this, But they hearkened not nor inclined their ear, but walked in the counsels and in the imagination of their evil heart, and went backward and not forward. Boy, I like that. They went, well, I don't like it, but uh, that says a lot right there. They went backward and not forward. You know, some of the most challenging things to do in our life is to live for God. Friend, if it was easy, we wouldn't have been needing the indwelling of the Spirit of God to do it. Right? No, it's, it's, uh, it's wonderful, right? It's, it's where joy is. It's where peace is. You know, uh, it's uh, obedience uh, to the voice of God is... is uh, uh, where uh, life just gets good, but it's challenging as well, isn't it? It really is. And uh, along the trail, as things get challenging in our life, there's times when I think it can creep up upon us where we think about maybe even quitting. Now, not quitting what somebody would say. I'm not quitting God, right? Not quitting on belief, right? I've had people tell me that. I, 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 I believe God. I just quit church, I still believe, though. I still believe, right? No, there's some times in our life when things get challenging, and it may come across us uh, at times just to lay back and to kind of, kind of hold back, kind of to pull the reins back and slow down a little bit. And uh, maybe you would really more accurately say in this way, quitting on God's will for your life. Some people even do that. They get so far that they just they just check out on the will of God for their life. And sometimes they get there because they begin to look back at the, quote, old life, right? They begin to look back and think things might have been easier back then and simpler back then. We've, we've, Israel has said it. Remember that time in the wilderness? They, they look back and they, they imagined they were longing for the leeks and the onions. But isn't it amazing to me? I think it's amazing to me that when we look back at the old life, it's a distorted look. Because what we fail to see is the, is the bondage and the chains that used to hold us, right? We don't see that. It looks good. It looks fun. It looks easy. It looks like everything was great and glittery and all of that stuff. Uh, but the, but you, and, and the world still looks like that way at sometimes, if, especially if you lose spiritual eyes and you're not living in, in the spirit and you don't have discernment. Boy, the world looks pretty good. But what you never see hidden are the chains, the chains that bound, that bind them. And here, it's easy to get to a place in life untimed. At times, you get away from God. Your heart gets away from God. And it is possible to get to the place where you think, eh, well, I'm not quitting on God, but man, I'm just tired. I'm just tired. You know, as a church, there's going to be days ahead of us that are challenging. Challenging. There are going to be days when it might seem easier to coast for a while. There might be come days when, when, when it might seem like we just want to relax and take a break. Yeah. Now, I understand at, age, at stages of life, you know, there's not as much we can do. And uh, many have paid their dues, and it's time for another generation to come along and do some things. But it doesn't mean that we just quit, right? We don't just stop. A lot of times our, 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 our way we do, what, what we're doing for God maybe shifts gears a little bit. But I'm saying tonight it's possible as a church, 
which means it, as a people. It's possible, it's possible to get to a place in, in the arduous journey that we have ahead of us to want to lay back and just to take it easy. So here's a good question to ask at this point. What does God say about it? What does God say about this? This is what I want to look at tonight. And I want to, I want to show you here just to start off before we get to verse 24 in this area of chapter 7. I want to remind us tonight of, of the history of God's deliverance of Israel. We know this. We're so familiar with this lately. Uh, it seems to be coming up over and over again. And I think God knows the timing. And I think it's if you would pay attention, it's, it's, uh, it's wonderful to watch how uh, God is instructing us as we go along here with with uh, Israel and where they were and coming out of Egypt and all of those things and following God. But yeah, I want to show you the history of God's deliverance here. When Israel was brought out of Egyptian bondage, we know they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They came right onto the edge of the promise. They came right up to the borders. They saw it. They even agreed and said, yeah, the, the milk is, is good. The honey's sweet. Everything looks great. The giants are big. And boy, I don't know. They backed away from him. Except for, of course, Joshua and Caleb. They were ready to go in. And uh, But the, the rest of the congregation of Israel did not want to go in. They refused to go in by faith. And as we know, God would not allow them to go in. And so they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years until that first generation died off. And might I remind you, that first generation sadly included Moses and Aaron. They didn't go in either. Somebody had says, says this, I, I like this. They said it took God 40 hours to get Israel out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. I like that. And so listen, God, sometimes he spends a lifetime in some lives to get the world out of us, right? And that's, that's, that's the goal. It's, it really is to make us like Christ. But during these wanderings of Israel, during, during the murmuring, during the complaining, during the backsliding, during the, the refusal to go forward, during the time that we're there waiting for this generation to die off, God still provided. God still protected. God still pardoned from sin. God still had a purpose to bring them into the land, and He was going to bring them into the land. Which reminds me of this as well. Don't, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, don't ever mistake the blessing of God and the provision of God for the approval of God in your life. Sometimes what you're living in is a window, a door, a space for us to repent. And all the while during this 40 year uh, wanderings, right, during this whole, whole time, God still provided, God's still good, He still takes care of His children. And friend, don't ever mistake the time that you think you're just getting along just fine with your heart away from God because the blessings are still flowing. Friend, sometimes the blessings, eventually they're going to shut off. If repentance never comes, they shut off. And sometimes, as the Bible says, in that without, in that without remedy. I, want to, I just want to warn you tonight. I want to help you tonight on this. And so God is, is providing for them during this whole time that they're really out of his will. And then about 1400, about the year 1400 BC, Joshua brings this second generation into Canaan, as well as Joshua here, and of course, and Caleb out of that first generation. And And so Joshua leads the children of Israel into Canaan. This is the history of God's Dealing, bringing Israel out of bondage. But also I want to look at here is God's history of, uh, here in our text, the history 
of Israel's condition. Of Israel's condition. Although Israel had some good times, boy, they had a lot of bad times. I mean, just look at the kings of Israel. David was great. Solomon started out great. Rehoboam was bad. Hezekiah was good, right? Manasseh was bad. I mean, we can go all through the, the kings and, and, and some of even uh, uh, of the kings and the judges and all that time. And you have good and bad and good and bad. And, and it seems like it's progressively getting worse and worse and worse. And by the time we get to the, to the prophecy of Jeremiah, now we have Josiah, who is king of, of Judah. Okay, the northern kingdom, not this. Is that right? Judah's, the, yeah. It, no, Judah's northern kingdom, right? Southern kingdom? Northern? One of the two. Yeah, it's one of the two. Jerusalem, Judah. Northern kingdom. Anyway, I get that confused. Obviously. I'm going to go look that up. Not right now. I'm not going to look it up. Later I'll look it up. So, anyway. What happened? Rehoboam. Remember Rehoboam came in after, after his father Solomon? And said, uh, "My little th- finger, my little finger is going to be thicker than your thigh." Then you know, it's, I'm going to the scorpions and whips and all of these things are coming down. And uh, Israel said, uh, and the the elder men said, "Under our tents, under your tents, Israel." And the kingdom split north and south, right? And uh, that's where it split under under uh, under uh, Rehoboam. But by the time we get here to the prophecy of Josiah, he's king of Judah. He's a good king. Remember, he becomes king at eight years old. That's pretty astonishing. But what is, what is monumental in his life, that, watch this, in spite of the condition of Israel, and we're going to look at it here in a minute, in spite of the condition of Israel, at 16 years old, Josiah turns his heart to God and begins to follow God. Don't tell me young people can't have a heart for God. Even, even in this generation and all that they have, young people can have a heart for God. Absolutely they can. And Josiah did at 16 years old. And what did he do? What, what was the evidence of this heart that he had? Well, he began to clean up Judah. He began to run out the idolatry. He opened up the, the, the temple and he cleaned it out. He, he employed the, put the priests back to work and said, start teaching the people the word of God. I'm telling you, Josiah was a, a great king. And, 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 but, but notice this, even during the time of Josiah, As good as he was, and as good as Judah looked, Jeremiah is prophesying, at least in part, during Josiah's reign when things looked good. Jeremiah is prophesying what looks like the good times, right? God is trying to get Israel's attention, Judah's attention, during the good time, right? So what was going on here? Well, just because... Hey, just because Josiah experienced revival in his heart, it doesn't mean all of Judah did. Actually, here in Jeremiah, it bears that out quite explicitly. They went along with Josiah, but inwardly they were backslidden and away from God. Four times in Jeremiah chapter 3, you'll hear this, you'll see, read this phrase where it says this phrase right here, talking about Israel, then it says, her treacherous sister, Judah. Four times. Treacherous sister, Judah. 
You come to Jeremiah 3 and verse 11. Let me read it for you. It says, And the Lord said unto me, The backsliding Israel hath justified herself more than treacherous Judah. I've just mentioned this recently, and here it is coming up again. Backsliding Israel and treacherous Judah. You know what that word treacherous means there? That word treacherous means to act covertly. To act deceitfully. See, backslidden Israel, what, 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 what is going on here is that Israel is visible. Their backsliding is visible. It, you can see how far away from the, uh, they are from God. You can see it in their actions. You can see it in their lifestyle. You can see it in the way they're not worshiping. You can see everything about them, that they are away from God and backslidden. But Judah... Judah was going along with Josiah because he's the king. You kind of, kind of, it's good to, it makes life easy when you go along with the king and everything looked good and everything looked right on the outside and they're going to the temple and they're doing the, the sacrifices and, do, and they're doing all that stuff. But God said, God said they were treacherous. God said all of that, all of that religion was feign. It was covert. It was deceitful because underneath what was hidden was rebellion. No, Judah was the visible rebel and Israel was the visible rebel. Judah was the inward hidden rebel. Really the same illustration that Jesus brought out with the prodigal son. The visible the, 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 the rebel that you could see who left home and the quiet inward rebel who stayed home, but he still had the same, he still had the same heart as his brother. And so here's where we are with the history of Israel when we come to the time of Jeremiah. No, you can look good. We can do the part, but inwardly, inwardly our heart can be away from God. And trust me on this, God knows. God exactly knows. This is the condition of Israel. And can I tell you tonight, God knew the real problem, obviously. He did. Look at verse 23. God wanted obedience out of Israel. Look what he, know, look what he says to, uh, through Jeremiah. But this thing commanded I them, saying, actually jump up to verse 22. For I spake not unto your fathers, nor commanded them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices. But this thing commanded I them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and ye shall be my people. And walk ye in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well unto you. And I find this so fascinating here, because if you notice in verse 22, do you see what God said about Israel when he brought them out of Egypt? He said, For I spake not unto your fathers, nor commanded them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices. When, he, when it was time to get out of Egypt, God didn't sit down with them and say, Okay, let me, let me explain the sacrifices. All right, this is what we're going to do. Like, like Leviticus and Deuteronomy and Numbers. He didn't sit down with them and weigh them down with all of this stuff that they're going to live before he ever brought them out of Egypt. It's not time for that. It wasn't, it wasn't appropriate then. It had been way too much. Could you, I mean, could you imagine sitting down for about three months and they'd have been like, tell you what, we're good. We'll just stay here. That's too much. That's too much. Hey, can I give you a little help when you're dealing with lost people? Don't bog them down with heavy doctrine when you're sitting at their door. Give them the gospel. 
Tell them God loves them. Tell them they're a sinner. Tell them that, tell them that Jesus paid it all. And if they'd put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus, they'd come to Christ. There's plenty of time for discipleship and for training and for doctrine and coming into the deeper things of God. But listen, don't, don't weigh them down before they ever come to Christ while they're still in Egypt. Right? God, I love this. God, God says, hey, at Sinai, we'll get to this, but not yet. Not yet. And so here he is. He, he, what did he want out of them? He wasn't concerned. I mean, this is, it's, it's so simple. It really is. He wasn't concerned at this time about the burnt offerings and the sacrifices. Look what he says, verse 22, 23. But this thing commanded I them, saying, here it is, obey my voice. Isn't that simple? Well, what about, just do what he says. Well, what about, over, just do what he says. Now, if this happens and that happens, what about, just, just obey the voice of God. Just if you obey God, he'll take care of all of those other things. Yes. Obey my voice. And look what he goes on to say. And I'll be your God. There's a promise here. Obey my voice. Right? I will be your God. And you should be my people. Look what he goes on to say. And walk ye in all the ways I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. So we have a command. And we have a promise. But we see in verse 24, Israel didn't agree. They didn't agree. Look at verse 24. But they, speaking about the generation that came out, generation number one, that came out of Egypt. But they hearkened not, nor inclined their ear, but walked in the counsels and in the imaginations of their evil heart, and went backward and not forward. They Watch, they hearkened not. They didn't listen nor incline their ear. They didn't even attempt to listen. They weren't even, they weren't even just coming anywhere close to say, I wonder, I wonder what God thinks about this. No, that wasn't even in their vocabulary. It wasn't in their vocabulary. They didn't follow them. And God says the outcome of this, the outcome of what Israel did was that they went backward and not forward. Do you see what brought them backward though? Do you see this here? Look what he goes on to say. They hearkened not, nor inclined their ear, but walked in the counsels and the imagination of their own evil heart. Do you see what brings you to the place of walking in your own counsel? I mean, can you think of anything more tragic for a human being to walk in their own counsel and not the counsel of God? I've said this before, it's been a while, but maybe it's time to say it again. One of the greatest, greatest problems of idolatry in the United States of America is, is not anything but the big I, me, and self. It is absolutely on the throne all over the place. It's on the throne in our life. And it, what, a, what a crazy, crazy. We look at Israel and go, how could you go after this idolatry? I mean, God kind of mocks them when he says, you've got to pick up your idols and carry them. They can't even walk. You've got to take them around. What great gods are those, right? I mean, it's like, it's ridiculous. But hold on a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. We have our own problems, don't we? We look at Israel and you go, how crazy. You saw this and you saw that and you saw this and you saw that. And I say to us today, how crazy. We have this. We have all of this. We have all of the revelation of the Word of God. We see everything that they, 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 got, to saw, they got to see. And here we have it preserved for us. Yep. Amen. You hear many times, what do we do? What do we do? We wake up on a new day and we walk after the counsel of our own imagination. And you know what God says that comes from? A wicked heart. Hmm. 
Boy, that's cutting the wound open and pouring salt on it, huh? Yeah. yeah. The heart did what? It brought him backward and not forward. The evil heart caused him to go backward, not forward. And it's right here, ladies and gentlemen, where the spring of all movement in our life lies in our heart. We know what the Bible says in Jeremiah. He's going to say it here over in chapter 17. The heart is deceitful above all else, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Yeah. The sooner you come to understand you don't know your own heart, the better off we'll be. Yeah. The Bible says this. We know where it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, what? Speaketh. It's the source, isn't it? Source of a lot of good, a source of a lot of, a lot of evil. And this was the condition of Israel. This was the condition of that generation that came out of Egypt. They rejected the, the word of God. They rejected the obedience to God. They decided rather to live after the counsel of their own wicked heart. And here they are. They've gone back and not forward. Yeah. So is there any hope here for Israel? Well, sure, there was, there was hope. There was. But by the time you get here to Jeremiah chapter 7, we find that the problem still persisted. Yeah. Let me remind you, Josiah's king. The temple's open. The idolatry's been cleaned out of the country. Right? The sacrifices are going. The people are learning the word of God. Everything looks great. But God says this in verse 25. Since the day that your fathers came forth out of the land of Egypt unto this day, unto this day, unto this day, do you realize this is eight, about, about 813 years since they came into the promised land? They've been living in that promised land now for over 800 years. And God said, since the day that your fathers came forth out of the land of Egypt unto this day, I have even sent unto you all my servants, the prophets, daily rising up early and sending them. Daily rising up early. Daily. I think God's taking this backsliding thing serious, isn't he? He's, t he's warning them. He's warning them. And I, he said, I sent them. Uh, and he said, verse 26, Yet they hearkened not unto me, nor inclined their ear, but hardened their neck. They did worse than their fathers. Wow. They're worse off. They didn't hearken. Here, here's these same words again. They didn't hearken. Right? They didn't listen. They didn't incline their ear. They didn't even attempt to see what God thought and said. They hardened their neck. You realize when somebody hardens their neck like that, it means that they do know what truth is. And they're just saying no. They go, mm. right. No, come on. You ever try to push a kid? Let's go this way. They go, you know, they don't want to go. Or a dog. 
This was incredible to me. They did worse than their fathers. Generation died in the wilderness. Generation 2 and 3 actually lived for God. That generation that came in with Joshua. And the next one, the Bible says, served God. And then from there on out, it was like it was downhill. Wow. You know know what the real problem is? Look at verse 28. But thou shalt say unto them, This is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God, nor receiveth correction. Truth is perished and is cut off from their mouth. What's the problem? They wouldn't obey. Look at this. Nor receive correction. You will know, listen, you will find how mature you are in Christ by how you receive correction. Some people will not receive correction. I'm telling you, there's not much hope for that. Yeah. Truth is perished and is cut off from their mouth. God, God is calling His people back to Himself. And He's still calling. Don't you love the long-suffering of God? Don't you, aren't you amazed at the mercy of God? During this whole time, He knows their heart. He knows they're not coming back. <clears throat> he knows the direction that they're going. He, he knows what they don't even know about their own selves. Yet He's still calling them back. Yeah. God may be calling you back today too. Oh no, you're a Judah. You look great. But inwardly, Inwardly, the heart is far away from him. He's still calling you back today. Yeah. But Israel here, their heart is so backslidden, you realize they never will come back. Historically, they're not, they didn't come back from this. Do you realize after Jeremiah wrote, wrote, wrote this, at the beginning of Jeremiah, I mean, this, this went over a span of quite a few years in Kings here, but as the, at the beginning here when he's writing this, it's going to be about 23 years from this writing that Babylon begins to come in to besiege Jerusalem and Judah. Do you realize it's another 16 years? From the time he starts here in 39 years, Babylon will have destroyed Jerusalem, will have destroyed the temple, and began pulling people out and drawing Israelites out to go into Babylon, like people like you know Daniel. Yeah. 20 years. Hold on. Well, God is, God is just a vengeful God. I don't know, 800 years? 800 years of warnings? I think that's pretty long-suffering. Yeah. It was an evil heart that was Israel's demise. And it was their evil heart that caused them to go backward and not backward, there we go, and not forward. Question for you. What did they go backward from? I'll give you a hint. I said it was really simple. You can see it in verse 23. You can see in verse 28, when God said, Obey my voice. Let me say it this way. Obedience is forward movement. Disobedience is backward movement. Pretty simple, isn't it? Obedience is forward movement. 
Disobedience is backward movement. Would it be safe to say that refusing to go forward is a sin? We know that backsliding is a sin, right? Well, we'll say, yeah, that's a sin to be backslidden. It's a sin to go backward and not forward. But how about I say it this way? Not going forward is the same sin as going backward. Like, oh, tricky words there, huh? It's obedience. Where does obedience come out of? It comes out of a right heart. Watch. This is why it goes back to this morning. It's so imperative that our heart is right with God. Because when our heart is right with God, we have a heart of obedience. When we have a heart of obedience, we're moving forward. You know what's happening when we're moving forward? We're in the blessing of God. We're in a place where God can come alongside and just do great things through our lives. We're in a place of peace and joy and rest. That's where obedience is. Oh, I love where it says, ask for the old paths and walk therein, and therein shall you find what? Rest for your souls. So many believers have no rest in their soul. Uh, they're, just, they're just constantly bothered. They're constantly upset. They're constantly worried. They're constantly panicked. They're po- constantly all in an uproar, and, and life is just up uh, 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 all the time. Listen, rest, rest, rest. Rest in Jesus. But you'll never rest when your heart's away from them. No. Obedience is forward. Disobedience is backward. God said they went backward and not forward. Do you realize if Crimson Avenue Baptist Church does not go forward from here, it's a sin? <laughs> I mean, is I mean, is that a good deductive, biblical deductive reasoning here? Yeah. It'd be the sin of not going forward, right. which is imperative. This is why it's imperative that we keep our hearts tender and close to God, right? It's an evil heart. It's a disobedient heart. I'll say it again. It's an evil heart. It is a disobedient heart that is the driving force that drives us away from God. And being driven away from God is to go backward and not forward. Sin. It's sin. And for Calvary Baptist Church not to go forward is sin. It's sin. God's moving us forward, folks. Yeah. Start, we've started in obedience, but listen, you've got to continue in obedience. When I'm dead and off this planet, Crimson Avenue Baptist Church should continue in obedience, right? When, when somebody else's pastor here someday, if the Lord hasn't returned and I'm gone and somebody else is in here, go forward. Go forward. Just obey. Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Just go forward. Just go forward. Yeah. Forward. Forward in what? Well, forward in soul winning. How about that? How about we just continue to go forward in giving? 
How about we just continue to go, go forward in missions and, and, and reaching the world with the gospel? How about we just continue to go forward with building and constructing and expanding and growing? How about we just go forward? Wait, 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 wait. How, let me make it easy for you. How about we just go forward in obedience? How's that? That'd be easy enough, right? Amen. Just go forward. Israel went backward because their heart got away from God. And obviously it was the will of God. Do you see this? It was the will of God that they went forward. Because the opposite of going forward, God said, was to go backward, which he didn't want. It's a product of an evil heart. So the question has got to arise. We've got to ask ourselves again. Here it is twice today. We'd have to ask ourselves, where's our heart? Does the world have your heart still? Does something have your heart tonight? Does God have all of it? Boy, that's a lot. Is there a little sliver somewhere that you've kept for yourself? Is there a little something somewhere that you said, No, no, I don't want you to have that. I I, I love that. I, I don't want you to have that. We don't really have a lot of this problem here tonight. But it's amazing the idolatry that people have made out of children and not given them to God. Yeah. I'm just showing you it's 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 it can be all it can be anywhere. You, we can give our heart all over the place. To all different things and all different people and God says no I need that. I I, I want even that. I want even that. I want even that. How's your heart? You see, because as a church moves forward, it means the members move forward. (laughs) Do you think Crimson Avenue Baptist Church moves forward without you and I? I mean, (laughs) like, you know, soul winning happens without us. Giving happens without us. Missions happens without us. No, it's us. We're, We're a member of the body. He's the head. Amen. What's our heart like? You know, when a church is backslidden, what's it mean? It means the members have backslidden and gotten away from God. If your heart's away from God tonight, wherever it is, it might be in a little recess that nobody, nobody, nobody even knows about. Not something gross, not something vile, not something earth-shattering. Just something that you know that the Lord has spoken to you over and over and over and over and again. And he says, I'd like that. I'd like that. You're trusting that and, and it's causing you not to trust me. I, I need that there as well. If that's you tonight, maybe you're watching, somebody's watching online. If that's you tonight... Return to him tonight. Would you just give him your heart? Give him all of it. Every last bit of it. You know what? If we'll all do that, oh my goodness. I don't know if we I don't know if we even understand what all God would do. If we just give him all every last bit of our heart and let him have it all. I think it'd it'd blow our mind to watch what he does. You notice here in our text, there are no static times of life, friend. We might think we're just coasting, 
But God says it's either forward or backward. There's no, there's no static times of just sitting still. Right? If we're not moving forward, we are going backward. Luke chapter 9, 62, Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit, or that word there, fitted, equipped, is capable, is fitted for the kingdom of God. Yeah. This is, maybe I'll just say it this way. Let's make sure our heart's right so we can just go forward. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Forward. Forward, forward, forward. God, help us to go forward. Would you do a deep dive into our heart by your Holy Spirit? Would you begin to peel back as the peels of an onion? Would you begin to peel back and help us to see in the deepest recesses of our heart, maybe there's something there. Maybe there's a little something there that we've held on to that our love and affection is towards. It's not you. It's of the world, the flesh, or the devil. It has nothing to do with you. And maybe you've been asking for it. If that's anybody here tonight, we just pray, God, that we'd trust you and be quick enough to let you have what you want. We'd ask you tonight... As David asked, Lord, would you create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us? I'm kind of afraid that the world hasn't seen Christians with the right spirit in a long time. I've wondered about that. God, would you do that work in us tonight? We thank you for what you'll do in Jesus' name. Amen. Instruments going to pray, play, and you, you just do business with God as God is a directing you. Tell you what, when you're finished praying, why don't you stand and then when everybody's stood, we'll close in a word of prayer.
Amen. I pray you have a good week this week and uh, <clears throat> got a little bit of rain coming in. So uh, it's that time of year. Sherry said April showers. I'm like, it's March. Oh, yeah, March. <laughs> so it's, it's March. So I, I could hear from the house. I could hear the river running. I could hear water coming out of our cave. There's just water everywhere. So it's going to get a little more, I think, So uh, this week. But uh, as much as we need rain and you always want rain, we kind of want it dry for the next month, too, so we can get some work done over here. But uh, we'll just keep praying about that and the Lord's will on that. All right, let's be dismissed in a word of prayer uh, tonight, and let me let me look around here, trying to find somebody who would like to pray for the gym. You're looking right at me. I can see you. Would you close in a word of prayer?